Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Word of God, and it is mostly depicted as a covering for God's presence and also a sign of a lofty and a heavenly place. And the token of covenant was a bow, and we know it today as a rainbow. And God described this, uh, this token this way in Genesis 9, verse 13. When I do set my bow in the cloud, it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. So God describes the cloud to be the heavenly sign that will carry the rainbow, the token of his promise, the token of his covenant. So this promise was given from a heavenly place. It was from a lofty place. It speaks of authority and divine power because the cloud that is represented there. That's why Lucifer, we know him as Satan today, attempted to do the following. If you look at Isaiah 14, 14 on the screen, the Bible says, oh, well, Satan says in his heart, I will ascend above the heights of the where? The clouds. The heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Who is the most high? Jehovah God. So, as we think about clouds in the Bible, it speaks of the heavenly and the lofty place. And Satan said, I will be above the clouds of the Most High. I will be like him. Oh, you see, clouds were the barrier that God has set up to make the distinction of who he is in authority. And Lucifer, we see in the scripture, said, I will rise above the clouds. So the cloud is used by God to depict the heavenly and uh, uh, the lofty place of authority. And as we think about clouds, God uses it to make the distinction of holiness as well. It's not just a heavenly sign or a lofty sign, but also a sign of holiness. Cloud is mentioned by God to Moses as he came down to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19, verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee. So this was a covering for God as he neared his people. You see, God is holy. The Bible says in Isaiah that he is holy, holy, holy. Why three holy? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, the triune of God, the trinity of God is holy. And his holiness cannot be presented as it is to us because of his great glory and because of his great purity. And so God brought about a cloud in the days of Israel, in the, day, in the days of the wilderness, so, uh, uh, so, so that people might hear what he said, but not able to see uh, uh, where he was and also what he looked like because he was truly pure and holy. And when they were to see him as he is, they wouldn't be able to bear his sight and they will also die. And this was the same for the priests in the time of the temple in 1 King 8.11. So that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. So it's very clear that God used the cloud for his 
holy covering. This was also the case when God speaks to his disciples during Christ's transfiguration in Matthew 17, verse 5. While he had spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So the description of the cloud here in the scripture is a bright cloud. Why is that? Because God is light and God is holy. And there is no shadow of turning with God. And that, it, that represents the true purity and the holiness of our God. There is no one stain of sin. There is no one stain of iniquity. No, God is holy, holy, holy. And he is forever holy. So he brings about a cloud to cover himself. Yes, he wishes to talk to man. Yes, he wishes to approach us. But he brought about a cloud back in those days so that he may in every way near the people. And as we have these evidences as Christians, there is a wonderful application. As our God is so lofty, as our God is so holy, as our God dwells in the pinnacle of heaven, he communicates and he also visits. And in the New Testament time, he dwells with us. Oh, the cloud that he has used in biblical history was a great reminder and a sign for the people that God's presence was among them. And ladies and gentlemen, as we live in this era, we have a better covenant and better promise and a better wonderful sign. And that sign is the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us. He is not just above us. He is not just around us. He is within us, my friend. What a great truth that is. And this truth ought not to be taken lightly, for the Bible describes what it takes for God even to behold the sons of men. In Psalm 113, verse 5, Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. You see how undeserving we are? When God beholds the heaven and the earth, he has to humble himself. We ought to be grateful for that, by the way. He could just leave us as we are and, and leave us to die and leave us to go to the lake of fire. But thank God he beholds and uh, heaven and he heard and he beholds mankind and he has compassion, he has love. Not only that, he came down 2,000 years ago. He humbled himself even more and took upon the form of a servant, became a slave, became a bond slave, and he was obedient unto death. And even to the death of the cross, he shed his blood and he rose again. He is at the right hand of the Father. You see, ladies and gentlemen, what a humbling thing for us to recognize that God himself, the creator of the world, and the, and the person who is dwelling on the pinnacle of heaven, and he, comes, he came down 2,000 years ago to love us and to die for us to save our soul. And we ought to be humble, and we ought to be grateful, and we ought to, in every way, glorify the Lord for what he had done. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if he is willing to humble himself that way to his creation, how much his creation must humble themselves before the Creator. Oh, we're prideful, aren't we? Like the Israelites murmuring all the time, complaining all the time, I want this, I want that. Ladies and gentlemen, behold the cloud of grace. 
Behold, the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within you. Behold, Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sin. Behold him, my friend. As much as the Israelites beheld the glory of the cloud of grace during the time of the wilderness, hey, let us behold the glory of God within us, who is the Holy Spirit, and also Jesus Christ, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let us humble ourselves. Let us in every way give attention to the presence of his cloud, and let us be grateful of the grace that he has bestowed upon us, of his presence and of his faithfulness. Oh, I think about the Israelites, how they were blessed. Yes, they were blessed with manna. Yes, they were blessed with water out of a rock. Yes, they were blessed with quail from day's journey. Yes, they were blessed with their raiments not getting worn out and also their uh, shoes not getting worn out. But thank God as we think about their experience in the, uh, uh, in the wilderness, the greatest gift and the greatest blessing that they received was a cloud that ever uh, was in front of them and the cloud that directed them and the cloud of God that always with them. The presence of God. And God knew the primary, primary uh, uh, need for the Israelites was not the physical, but it was the spiritual, the cloud of grace. You know, uh, when the Israelites were murmuring and complaining, you know what they're doing? They're looking down at the things that are going on, the necessity of this world. Then you get some And we need to behold the glory of God. We need to look up, turn our eyes upon Jesus, my friend. Not on the beggarly and the, and the poor things of this world. Uh, money and riches and, and the things that uh, begs us to be tempted uh, uh, to be sold out to the devil and, uh, and the worldly pleasure. No, let us not in any way succumb to that. Let us see the glory of God. Let us see the cloud of grace. Let us behold the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us look at him, my friend. What specific reasons did God have in providing this cloud of his presence? We know the spiritual. What spiritual reason did God have? Well, let me give you three this morning. Number one, quickly, a covering cloud of worship. A covering cloud of worship. In verse 15, and on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony, that even there was upon the tabernacle as it were the appearance of fire until the morning. Notice that this cloud did not cover the tents of Israel and the, the, uh, uh, the armies or maybe the, uh, the hosts or maybe the people of Israel. No, it specifically covered the place of the tabernacle. And what was the reason for the tabernacle? Worship and sacrifice. You see, God was constantly reminding them, worship, worship, worship. I am with you. Worship me. Worship me. Sacrifice. Do your uh, uh, ordinances and uh, give your all to him and make sure you are aware of your sin. Make the atonement. Make the sacrifice of the lamb. Make the sacrifice of the dove and worship 
and worship and worship. You see, this has been the aim and the purpose and goal of our God for man and for all creation. For the Bible says in Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things for Thy pleasure. They are and were created. You see, according to our Savior as well, God the Father seeketh for such to worship Him in John 4.23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him. You see, Jesus Christ saved your soul. Jesus Christ cleansed all your sins away. Jesus Christ gave heaven as your home. Why? So that you may worship him. Yes, he did it for us. Yes, he loved us. But the greatest purpose of his divine plan for your soul to be saved is so that you could kneel so that you could shout out, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and worship him. He didn't save your soul for your pleasure, my friend. He saved your soul for his pleasure, for his glory, for his honor. And thank God we get to join in this ever with the host of angels and the host of the elders. And that we could also say, holy, holy, holy. O Lamb of God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Oh, we look back, even the people in Genesis, Abel, he was a, a martyr, the first martyr recorded in the Bible. What was he doing before he was slain? He was worshiping God. We see Abraham as he left the earth of Chaldees, as he went to the land of Canaan, as he got there, he worshiped God. Noah, after the flood, as he got off the boat, he got the clean animals. He worshipped. He went through the sacrifices. And Isaac worshipped as he uh, uh, dug uh, uh, different wells. And as he dwelt in different places and tents, he found himself worshipping the Lord. And also Jacob worshipped as he came back from ill relationship with his brother. He even wrestled with God. And he worshipped the Lord. Moses speaks to Pharaoh as well. We beseech thee three days journey into the wilderness and we may sacrifice worship to the Lord our God. You see, Moses knew before they got ever to the promised land, they need a time of glorifying and honoring the Lord before they are happy with their pleasures. They need to be joyful about being in the presence of God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when you come to church, are you looking for fun? Are you just looking for, you know, how people treat you? And There's nothing wrong with that. Thank God for Bible that sure that does that. Thank God for fellowship. Thank God for donuts. I remember a couple, uh, I remember a couple uh, who used to come, my former people, they used to come to church and always ask me, when is the donut time? I can hear God's word. And, uh, you know, there's some uh, 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 wonderful things and we're going to have fundraising after this service is over and we'll have some great time of fellowship. Enjoy it. Have a wonderful time. Create a great memory among with each other and have some friendship and have some great fellowship. But do not forget to worship God. Do not forget to worship Him who gathered you here. 
The reason why we're gathered here together is for Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is here among us. And he, this is his church, not our church. This is his place of worship. This is not for you. This is not for me. This is for Jesus. You soon forget why you gather here. It's for Jesus Christ. Why do we have Sunday school? Why do we have three services a week? Why do we have soul winning? Why do you have bus kids come? So they could learn about Jesus. Jesus is the focal point of our ministry. Jesus Christ. The place of worship. I gotta hurry. Secondly, the cl- constant cloud for a reminder. A constant cloud. So it was always the cloud covered by day and the appearance of fire by night. So this cloud was there all the time. There was not a time when the Israelites did not see the cloud. The cloud covered it by day and night, the appearance of fire. This was a constant reminder that God was with him. And ladies and gentlemen, we can, we can soon forget so easily how he is with us and how close he is to us. And we're able to say and be confirmed by the Holy Spirit in Galatians 4, 6. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons to your father, crying, Abba, Father. And the Holy Spirit confirms that we are the children of God, Romans 8, 6. 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, our relationship with God is that close. Hope of glory. David Livingston gave his life to the mission field of Africa. He did so without reservation. He took a rare, rare trip back to Great Britain and he spoke in Glasgow, uh, Glasgow University, in which they were about to uh, uh, honor him with a degree. The Livingston, who stood to address, uh, to address the crowd that day, bore a little resemblance to the man who left England years before. He was painfully thin from the impact of malaria and other tropical diseases. His left arm, which had been mauled by a lion, hung limply at his side. A humble look. A devastated look. He told the cloud with joy that he was preparing to return to Africa again. In his speech, Livingston said, Would you like me to tell you what supported me through all the years of exile among the people whose language I could not understand? And whose attitude toward me was always uncertain and often hostile? 
It was this. Lo, I am with thee always, even unto the end of the world. On these words, I staked everything, and they never failed. You see, Jesus Christ never fails to abide with you. He is eternal. Christ will not be hopeless for you. Whether it's in the time of sorrow, whether in the time of joy, he is with you. A constant reminder. The cloud was there all the time. It was a great reminder that he is always there. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is with us. He is with us 24 hours a day and seven days a week. And we need not to worry about if he forgot about us. We need not to worry about if he neglected us. No. He said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Do not forget that he is always there. He is always there. Number three, a compassing cloud for the journey. When the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that, the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, the children of Israel pitched their tent. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed. At the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud above upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And verse 22, or whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining thereon, the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. Why the cloud? A reminder to the Israelites, I will lead you. I will tell you when to stop. I will tell you when to stay. I will tell you how long you need to stay. I will tell you when to go. I, I will tell you how long you need to journey. I will be your spiritual compass. I am always with you. Let me lead you, Israel. not be led by carnality and fleshly things of this world. Be led by the Spirit of our God. Isn't he worth it, like people say? Doesn't he, does he need, uh, need to be heard? I believe so. You know, I was thinking, why the nation of Israel? Now, I know God has a plan. This specific time was very crucial. How many have read Exodus and Leviticus? Raise your hand. How many say, I have fell asleep reading Leviticus sometimes? Raise your hand. Okay. A lot of rules, huh? A lot of procedures, huh? I think, why is that? Why is it time? Why is it time? Why are we doing this? What were the Israelites before they got out of the land of later on that they had a very prideful spirit. They had a very ill spirit. And 
Both they and everyone knew where they came from and what their DNA is in the sense and how they were raised and what they could expect in life. And God knew that as well. God brought them along this way, all this far, and 400 years in, in captivity by the, uh, 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 or slavery by the Egyptians. And now God brings them out. Let me give you all these commandments, and I want you to do all these things. And let me lead you. And ladies and gentlemen, as Christians today, we've been taken out of the land of Egypt as well. The world. The Bible says that we're not according to the children of God, according to the flesh. Romans chapter 12. For we're the children of what? The flesh. Now, we were slaves before, and now we're slaves again. Now, that word slave is a different term in the Bible. Master, we're not. We're still what? James chapter 4 says, if the Lord will, he will do, he will do this. 